Good, good, good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to Revelation Hour. I keep saying this every morning. Welcome to Revelation Hour. But maybe we need to change and say something else. No? You're quiet. Why are you That's so quiet? That's where we are, isn't it? So I That's think it's quite right to say. So. Yeah, it is right. Welcome to Revelation Hour, everyone. It's lovely to have you here with us um, for another show, uh, for another topic. Actually, we are concluding on this topic this week. We spent mm-hmm. probably about seven, eight weeks uh, on this topic. I think it was important for us to to really go deep as, as much as we, we can. And yeah, today we're just going to conclude on this topic and, you know, to begin to a new, se- a new series from next week. But why don't we pray? Why don't we invite um, the Holy Spirit here uh, among us? You know, we can't do this show without him. So it's important that he take his place. Father, we just thank you so much this morning. We thank you, Father, for it is truly through you that we live and we move and we have our being. Mm. And Father, we know that it's not by our might, nor by our power, but it's by your spirit. Yes, Lord. And Holy Spirit, we pray this morning that you will put the words in our mouths, Mm. regardless of what has been planned, regardless of what we think or the way we think it should be. We just pray that we will be led of you. Father, we just thank you so much that the entrance of your word will bring light and be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Yes. As we look into the subject today or this topic of the the last church, the Laodicean church, Lord, we just pray that you will speak to each one of our hearts, Father. Because as we know that these the letters are are not only a general just a church application just for the general general we know that they can also have not only local applications but personal application as well so the prophetic word that Jesus was speaking at the time it really is relevant for us at this time so father i just pray that you will help us to see where we are mm. where we are and help us as the scripture says to repent and to be zealous and to repent and to be able to do that which you've called for us to do in a time and yes, a season Lord. such as this. Father, we give you thanks and we give you praise. We commit this time. We commit everyone into your hands. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Miles. Um, Thank you again, guys, for being here with us. Um, just to remind you, um, obviously, um, where we are available at the moment, our Facebook page, um, when you can actually the content that we playing on the live show that we have on Saturday usually post it there directly after so if you missed it you can always catch up after uh, we also have a website www.revelationhour.co.uk where you can catch up the podcast of the previous um, you know previous show that we had and, and the one as well um, and also we have an email address if you want to just reach out to us you know, you can send us an email at info at revelationhour.co.uk. Uh, just a quick note in relation to the WhatsApp. Uh, we're still looking into it as we send a, a message in relation to the change of regulation as begin um, will take effect on the 8th of February, uh, where this data will be kind of shared publicly in that sense. We're still looking... Uh, and in more detail, uh, the small print, what it entice. Um, we just don't want to jump straight away to another platform. 
and not knowing as well what the other platform is doing we tested the other platform at the moment signal and telegram uh and to see so we will keep you updated as soon as we can um definitely before the 8th of february um and then once we've done that that we will create another group uh on that platform and those who feel to join can join us uh, via the platform as well um but yeah so just to really to give this on a nutshell um it's been good it's been good the last eight nine weeks as we look into um the late the seven latest to seven churches we now coming up to the climax or the the conclusion of what jesus has wrote into all those churches so we're going to go back through to it very quickly in a minute or in about five minutes but before we do that we always um tend to uh go through what's going on through the news uh skim through the christian news um there's not much but uh, i'm just wondering whether there's anything that you would like to pick up from here no well last week we remember we prayed for this lady um this young christian um that was in a coma Hannah. Hannah, yeah um now the news are that she's now beginning to respond she's still in the coma but she's beginning to respond so i think mm. the family just really ask her to continue to uh to pray for her but it's definitely um interesting and, and it's good the way god is moving mm. interesting but this nigerian, nigerian yeah. priest kidnap and mm. kill after church service um that's a very interesting one um you know sometimes whatever we are we do feel that there's no persecution taking place but there are persecution of the part of the world and that is a very very interesting one um he was abducted uh, after the service wow let's pray for for the family for the church god bring peace and comfort to to the to the, to, to the family members to the loved ones to mm. relatives and also to the church community lord as they lost one of the pastors we pray father that you bring peace lord we pray father that you holy spirit will bring comfort to them and we pray in the name of jesus father lord that you will continue to protect this church as well against what's taking place over there persecutions mm. what's your take on it love there's not much of a take is there it's, mm. it is what it is it's just we we just continue to pray yeah <coughs> as you've said because you know we say we know in these times these things are increasing it's been these things have been taking place in in nigeria for a while but mm. it seems as though um by reading this that it's uh it's something that they're asking for as they said they're asking for the the government nigerian government to step up security so obviously it's, mm. it's happening more and more now mm. um so yes please um let us continue to to pray and continue to keep our brothers and sisters um who are going through persecution um in in our prayers mm. interesting about joe biden um didn't waste any time is it no um i was reading another article yesterday that he's um i think it's the assistant health secretary mm. over there um he is um he's appointed someone who is actually transgender she's she's a transgender okay um so it's he said it's the first it's historical and it's um a first and you know she is well 
capable of uh, of of the of you know um, doing the job. Um, but uh, my my heart sank. Um, my heart really sank. Um, but it's uh, no. And the thing is, it, it's quite interesting about the fact that you said he's not wasting any time. Mm-hmm. And I think it's um, as we as we are looking into things today. One of a couple of the things that the the Lord Lord's really impressing on my heart. Um, it's something that you, you when you were speaking about, you will go into after when you go. You talk about the world is mm-hmm. is being built for the arrival of the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. But on the same note, um, the Lord is really urging and speaking to the heart of his people about building yeah. as well. Um, yeah. and, 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 and the kingdom, you know, is just really, really building. Um, so there's a speed at which they are they are going because they are building <laughs> mm. for that. Um, and I, and, you know, obviously we know that they don't even realize what they're doing. Um, but the and some of them do. Um, but it's, you know, as, uh, at the same time. The Lord is really preparing his people and really positioning his people and really um, providing for his people in order for his kingdom to be built mm. um, and t- and his kingdom to come on this earth as it is in heaven. He really is. So it's, you know, I, I'm, uh, I look at these things and I just think, OK, they're, they're happening, they're taking place. But I, I just feel that it's really for us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and and for the thing that he has called for us to do the things that he's called for us to do individually and corporately for us to keep our eyes and to continue to build those things continue to do those things because doors will open and provision is there um and it's something that I was reading um he showed me about Nehemiah and he was saying and in the end he said Nehemiah was saying it's because of our heritage because of our heritage you know, God will will make will cause for us to prosper, and I truly believe that in this, this season now and the season to come, God will cause for His people to prosper, regardless of what it looks like out there. Um, in order for us to build, in order for us to build His kingdom. Amen. 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 So that was the the news um, for for today. Not much, but uh, you know, I think that just wanted us to spend quite a lot of time just concluding this topic. So, um. Amasa mentioned it before. Um, this is the thing, you know. How's the world is is building, you know? It's as the world is being built. It's not building. It's actually being built for the arrival of the Antichrist. Whether people know it or they don't know it, it's actually what's taking place at the moment. Mm. Everything, every foundation, every law, everything that's taking place, every. Uh, advanced in terms of technology every ideology everything is built for the arrival of the antichrist and and that is that is what it is you know regardless we we like it or not regardless we part of it or not part of it physically involved or not involved we are seeing a world being built for the arrival of the antichrist now many people use the word new world order you know in that sense which they always refer to the Illuminati's, the, the, all the the conspiracies and all the secret society working behind the scene, you know. But the truth is, this new world order is a world built for the Antichrist. And we are now beginning to see the beginning of this world. Yeah, it's been in place for many years and I would say some centuries in terms of preparation and laying hearts, laying foundation. 
but what we are seeing in the 21st century is an acceleration of what is going to take place but how's the world is building you know this word for the antichrist our focus has to be in the kingdom of god mm. you know the thing is our focus we have to remain as master mentioned it we are also building you know in terms of the kingdom of god and that is the focus that we have to have i truly believe and know for the fact that when jesus returns he will establish his kingdom on earth you know we won't establish this kingdom he will establish his kingdom on earth but what we are doing we are showing what the kingdom of god looks like to the people here on earth you know the bible speaks of us be salt and light of the earth we are representative of christ so when people see us they should they should see christ and they should see what the kingdom of god is like in Amen. that sense and that is the thing and the reason I'm emphasizing on this is because as we go further deeper into the last church and we look into the different movement that's taking place in our Christian in in our, in our world and when it comes to the Christian world you will find out that some of the emphasis of this movement is say that the kingdom of God is on earth but as a matter of fact we got to remember that God will come you know at the millennium kingdom he will establish the bible speak he will establish a millennium kingdom and that would be the kingdom of god for a thousand years mm. so what we are doing now we are we are acting as light we're acting as front runner a little bit like john the bastis was doing you know when he was acting before jesus came mm. he was preparing the way we are preparing the way and that's why as a people of god our focus has to be his kingdom. You know, the Bible speaks in Matthew 6, 43, Seek ye first the kingdom of all its righteousness, and all shall be added unto you. And for us, it is important that we seek his kingdom. We seek his righteousness as well. Yes. So those are the two key things I believe that God is building, you know, in terms of this new generation of believers, you know, that will be kingdom-minded, but also that will be displaying the righteousness yes. of God. And that is very important. So as the world is being built for the Antichrist, God is building a generation that will be kingdom-minded and that will be righteous, you know, in the sight of the Lord. And that is where we are at the moment. And that really goes to really those two scriptures that we spoke about and we're using every Saturday, which is us be sober and to be visioned and find in 1 Peter 5, 8 and 2 Corinthians 2, 11, we tell us not to be ignorant of satan devices and that's what we do in revelation hour to kind of make people aware of what's taking place beyond the scene you know from a physical perspective but also from an emotional perspective and from a spiritual perspective as well so we can be sober so we can be vision so we know what to pray for you know when we go in those our prayer closet or even our corporate prayer in our churches we know what to pray for so that is very important then we wanted to remind ourselves as i say that we have to be kingdom minded in that sense but we have to know the word of god especially now with the spirit of deception with false doctrine just rising up everywhere it's so important for us to be rooted into the word of god the book of psalm 119 says this the interest of your word gives light and it gives understanding to the simple it's the word that gives light. 
It's the word I give understanding, even to the God we don't know much. That's the word. Just knowing the word enlightens us. And he also say, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Mm. But he goes on to say in verse 16, but shun profane and idle babbling, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And the message will spread like cancer. And that's what we're seeing at the moment. We see false doctrines spreading like cancer in our midst, in our churches. And that's why we have to be diligent to present ourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. And we got to be sure to rightly divide the word of truth. So we have to know what is what the word of God saying compared to what the doctrine is saying or what people are saying in that sense. Mm. And that really goes on to us to really talk about the seven churches of the book of Revelation. As I said, and I give to the to the advert, seven churches, seven letters, seven set of instructions. And that's exactly what it is. We know the word seven is completion, you know. Speak of completion, perfection in that sense. So when Jesus wrote those letters, he picked up seven letters, seven churches, and it's, they, they know those churches hasn't been picked up randomly. They were carefully picked up by Jesus. And that is one thing that we need to understand. Now, so in terms of the book of Revelation itself, you know, the word revelation means the unveiling, the uncovering, and the presentation of something that was hidden. So when we're talking about the book of Revelation, we're talking about the revelation of Jesus Christ. Mm. And this is why when we look at Revelation chapter 1, what John saw, he saw Jesus and he saw the description of who Jesus says. So he's, Jesus is revealed to John. And starting chapter 1 and chapter 2, then Jesus begins to write those letters to the churches, addressing issues and things that need to be sorted out. Before we go on into um, Revelation chapter 4, we actually saw now the kingdom of God. We saw heaven. You know, We saw God the Father sitting at the throne and the angels worshipping him and the 24 elders and the beast as well. And that really show, uh, uh, show us a, a panoramic view of what heaven is like. Before going into chapter 5, chapter 6, when the bowls and the scroll are released and then the traumas begin to take place, the times of Jacob begin to take place on the earth. So what we've done, we looked into the seven churches of the book of Revelation. And very interestingly, while we say, Amasa mentioned it early on, as we were discussing over those letters, you know, we, those letters were located in Asia Minor, which is actually more than the Turkey. So that's where they were. So as you can see, that was the first thing. We also discovered that as Jesus write those letters, as you look from Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, starting from the church of Ephesus, then making his way to Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and the one that we're going to look at today, which is Laodicea, you know, that was in the same way that the postman would deliver the letters. As he go doing his round in a region, he would start his journey in Ephesus, then would move to Smyrna, then on his way to Pergamon, Tatia, Sardis, Philadelphia, and he will finish his journey in Laodicea. And in the same way that the postman in those days would deliver the post, then Jesus also sent those letters, wrote those letters, in the same time, in the same manner, 
that the postman and that is very interesting so i keep saying that jesus never picked up those letters randomly why didn't pick up those letters randomly because he wanted to make sure as we look at those letters as we study those letters we can apply those letters on four different level as we study number one what we need to realize there were actual churches in the region of ephesus myrna pergamus Thyatira, sardis philadelphia and laodicea second as jesus wrote this letter he was addressing the church as a whole in that sense the whole the body of christ he was addressing the body of christ so whatever we were seeing in ephesus and smyrna pergamos entire sardis philadelphia Laodicea, jesus was addressing the church as a whole the things that they were doing right the things that they were doing wrong and how to repent and how to really fix the the, the things that were not right the third point that as you look at the slaters you can look into your personal life because at the end of the day we the church we are the church so as we look at in phases and when you speak about you know they left their first love because they were focusing on the ministry then we look into our life have we left our first love have we been ministry minded and not love minded in that sense when we look at the church of Pergamon that become to mix with the ways of the world are we mixing things of the world as well when we look at the church of Sardis or the church of Tatia, it was a corrupt church. Are we being corrupted, you know, to the ways of the world? So those are things that we can apply in our personal life to try to see what is wrong and what is right in our sense. And the number four, those letters can be applied prophetically. They actually, Jesus gave these letters to John around 1980. And these letters also can be applied to seven key stages of church history. If we look at it, these churches present the chronological order of church history starting from the church of Ephesus in AD 50 and ending to the church of today that we're going to look, which is the church of Laodicea. What Jesus did is simply painted a panoramic view of the church from the beginning up to today. Isn't that incre incredible? Mm -hmm. So, as we look at this, those letters, we can begin to understand it. So, looking at some of the churches that we looked at, we looked at six churches and we're going to be looking at the last one. The first church that we looked was the church of Ephesus, which started in 50 AD and finished to 180. And the problem, the, the, the problem that the, the church was also called the loved one or darling, which is interesting. But then, the problem that the church had was that the church was married to the ministry and not to Jesus. They left the first love. So as we look at this and understanding in terms of the application, looking at our life, did we leave our first love? Did we begin to focus so much on the ministry that we forgot about Jesus in the first place? And that was the problem of the church. Then the second church, which me mur or crushed, starting around 180 and ended on a 313 when Constantinople stopped the persecution of the Christian and decided to make the Christianity the religion of the Roman Empire. Now, in that series, and you can you can catch up with all our podcasts on all those churches in our website, we talked about the Murby, a burial spice, which will deliver sweet perfume when it was crushed. Don't know if you remember, that mm -hmm. was a free spice that was given to Jesus, mm -hmm. you know, alongside the frankincense. And, you know, Murr was thinking, and then Murr was used 
to bury Jesus as well in that sense. Yeah. So very interestingly, and we understand during that time, Christians were being crushed and they were being persecuted by 10 waves of persecution or 10 different Roman Empire. So we went through those Roman Empire that were persecuting the Christian during that time as well. So again, if you miss some of those, some podcasts, please just have a look at www.revelationhour.co.uk and you can find all the letters here. Then from that moment, we know, and that's something that I forgot to mention as well, that out of those churches, there were two churches that Jesus has nothing wrong to say about. That was the Church of Smyrna and that was the Church of Philadelphia. As a matter of fact, Jesus loved those churches. He loved the Church of Smyrna and he loved the Church of Philadelphia and he has nothing wrong to say about it. All the churches are a very interesting outline. they all starting with a description of Jesus, which is actually a representation of what the church is going through or what is the issue with the church. And he goes on to tell to the church what they're doing right. And then he tells them what they're doing wrong. And then he tells them what mm. they need to do to fix it. Mm. And then he gives them a promise that if they fix it, this is what they would get. At the exception of the church of Smyrna and Philadelphia, when Jesus has nothing wrong to say about those two churches. And at the exception of the church that we are going to say today, the church of Laodicea, when Jesus actually has nothing right to say about this church. So this is where we are at the moment. Then we look at the church of Pergamos, which means objectionable marriage or mixed marriage. And that was the time that I said from Constantinople, 313 AD to 575 AD. And this is where the church married to the world. This is where paganism began to enter into the church. This is where Satan married into the church. He couldn't kill the church with the church of Smyrna. He couldn't destroy it. So what he did, he infiltrated the church to try to pollute the church from the inside. The church and the state become bedfellows. And that is very interesting. And yeah. this is where we beginning to see the... Um, the, the, the tradition paganism mixed with Christianity for example Christmas we spoke about Christmas and so on as well this this element of it this element of worshiping trees mixing with the birth of, of Jesus to be able to bring those people back to the church they were allowed to compromise in that sense then we move to the church Tataya which means continual sacrifice from the period of 600 AD or 1500 AD and that represent the time when the, the 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 catholic church beginning to to rise in that sense the church grew very powerful and very corrupt and they allowed the jezebel spirit and all kind of paganism enter into the church i don't know if you remember in that teaching we spoke about jezebel a lady that was part of the church that was inciting the believers inside to join some trade unions now the things in those days the trade unions were places where as a worker in order for you to work in order for you to feed your family you needed to join the trade union now people will say but that's all right yes the problem was that those trade unions were practicing sexual immorality such as orgies and they were doing a lot of paganism taking place and there was nowhere as a worker in this region that you will be able to feed your family if you were not part of this trade union and what this lady in the church was doing she was telling those believers to join the trade union that it's okay you know god will forgive you it's okay so people were joining those trade unions and they were becoming corrupted by what was taking place in that sense 
Then we went to, we looked into the church of Sardis, which called a remnant, but also it is a dead church. This is the time where between the period of 1580 to 1880, it is a church that failed to be watchful. Remember the story of mm. this city that were not watchful yeah. and they were taken over mm. twice in that sense. Mm. And God was saying to the church to basically to remain watchful, to keep the things that are there, to resuscitate the things that are there, to be watchful. And now we're talking about the um, uh, Protestant uh, era, when they begin to change things, when Bible beginning to be available to the public, when the church is beginning to grow so much and so powerful that they forgot the Holy Spirit at the door mm. and it become dead at the end. And last week, finally, we looked at the Philadelphia Colossal Brotherly Love. That was a missionary-minded church. And this is a period of where we spoke of the Great Awakening with the like of William Carey. We spoke about William Carey, David Livingstone, and so on as the uh, people that actually brought basically mission, you know. Um, John Wesley um, and Charles Finney, you know, those, those people. And this is a church that had little strength, physical little strength, but did not deny the name of the Lord. And Jesus has nothing wrong about this church in that sense. Six letters, six churches, six sets of instruction, really showing us how the church is from the beginning to the end and what Jesus was saying. Interesting. We are now moving to the last one. Later to Laodicea or the church of Laodicea. Very, very, very interesting church indeed. Now, this is a large church and many people associate this church as the church that stand in our church age today. It is also known as the apostate church. Now, what I want to remind everyone is, as I said, there's four levels to apply this church. So, you would see aspect of this church in many of our con many congregations in the world as well. doesn't mean that the whole church is an apostate church. Because mm. as a matter of fact, Jesus was also referring this at the body of Christ. So you will find some church that look like Philadelphia churches. You also look like some church that look like Ephesus churches mm. who focus a lot on the ministry and forget the first level. And you also find a lot of churches, as we spoke about this Nigerian pastor that was killed, there's churches all over the world that get persecuted for not denying the name of Christ. That's the type of Smyrna church that we're talking about. But what I'm trying to say here is when we're looking from the prophetic and when we're looking from the prophetic perspective, the way Jesus looked at it, the church age is the last church. That's the church of Laodicea. Now, very interesting. Let's look in this uh, the, the scripture and Master, if you can read it, and then we can go through in this. Mm. It says, Unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither or neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, 
poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You see, it's addressing the churches, so we've got to hear what the Lord the Spirit is saying. The first point that is very, very interesting here, and, and it's very different from all the letters, and he says he studies and to the angel of the church of the Laodicean. Mm. Now, you don't know if you remember some of the latest, most of the latest is written, he says, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, mm. and to the angel of the church, uh, let's look at the, the, the first the, the first one, chapter two, chapter three. He says here, when he said when he addressed the church of um the the first church, the Ephesus, he said to the angel of the church of Ephesus. Then he said to the angel of the church of Smyrna. And he goes to the angel of the church in Pergamos. And he goes to the angel of the church in Tatia. And the angel of the church in Sardis. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. But then he goes then and he said, and to the angel of the church of, of the Laodicean. There's a very, very, very interesting thing here. What? Is referring to the church of the Laodicean. Very interesting. And the reason he opened with this, remember, he sent a letter to the church, to the angels. And the angel is the messenger, but here is the pastor is referring to. But in that letter, he says here, Laodiceans, not to or in Laodicean. Why? Because he already started this letter, he said, this is your church. This is not my church. Mm. And that's why he's starting this letter. It's his church. He said to them that it's your church. It's the church of the Laodicean. You know, it's not referring to the church in Pergamos or in the church in Ephesus or the church of Ephesus. He's referring to the church of the Laodicean. So that church is not Jesus' church. And that's, that already has started his sentence. I'm addressing to the church who belong to the Laodicean, and that's what he says. And it's very, very interesting. Jesus does not control the church. The people control the church. And that's what it is. That was the real problem of the church. It's Jesus wasn't in control. Jesus wasn't at the center. As a matter of fact, Jesus wasn't even at the door. Mm. They just left it. You know, the dead church... They left the Holy Spirit at the door, mm. but the Holy Spirit still knocking. That church, Jesus wasn't even there. So he's addressing the church of the Laodicean because that's not my church. It's your church. It's a church of Laodicean. Very interesting. Now, the word Laodicean comes from two words. One word says Laos, which means the people, and the word Dikao, which means opinion or to rule. So Laodicean means the rule of the people or opinion of the people. And Jesus was saying that this church 
is ruled by the people. It wasn't ruled by the Holy Spirit. It was ruled by the, by the people. And when you look at the church in Philadelphia, what did they say? You know, the church in Philadelphia, Jesus was ruling this church. He was controlling this church. As a matter of fact, we spoke about the church of the Philadelphian people. They were surrendered to the Spirit of God. And this is why God opened that great door for them. Mm. Because they were surrounded to the will of God. On the contrary, the church of Laodicea, they were doing their own thing. They were ruling, they were making their own rules, their own doctrines. They ruled the church. So there was no Jesus to be there, no representation of Jesus, no representation of his word, no representation of his way. It's not like they forgot. They decided that they, that's how they want to rule it. And that was man, man, man different. They left Jesus outside the church. And this is what Jesus said in verse 20 as we see. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with him. Now, this interesting thing, dining with him, is speak of very relationship and close. And Jesus wanted to get close to that church. But at the moment, the church decided that they want to do the thing without having Jesus being involved. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. And it's very different from all the other letters as we're looking. Very interesting. So it goes on to say, this thing says that Haman, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Now, do you know what he says there? He is the Haman, you know. He is the Haman. And the word Haman means also, let it be or so be it. And in the New Testament, it means very, very, or truly, truly. So that's what it represents. So he goes on, he says, he is the faithful, he is the true witness. Basically, he says that he cannot be diluted, he cannot be transformed, he cannot be falsified in any way. He is the true witness, he is the real thing. You cannot change who I am. This is who I am. I am the true, I am the faithful, I am the true witness. You know, the Bible said no one comes to the Father, you know. Mm-hmm. Except through me. Exactly. And that is what it was. And the church had a real problem. The church were trying to diminish the presence of Jesus. And Jesus was telling them that regardless of who you are, I am still the Amen. I am still the true witness. I am still the beginning of the creation of God. Which is a very powerful message here. So, let's look briefly a bit of a background. You know, looking into the background of uh, of the of the city, um, in that sense. Now, Laodicea was, as say here, the the chief city of Lycus River Valley region, and the full name of the city was Laodicea Alicium, which means Laodicea on Lycus. But the city originally was also known as Diospolis, which is the city of Jesus. Now, we know, we looked into this over the last seven letters. It popped in uh, many times here. But the Greek deity, he was considered to be the greatest of all the gods. And I remember when I was a, a young child, I was very um, inclined to Greek mythology mm. and eventually Roman mytho- mythology in that sense. But one took a Greek mythology with all the all the gods and so on, and Zeus was the most powerful. He was basically called as the father of all the gods. So, um, 
it's a very interesting when we look um, into this. And the other thing that we need to understand as well, and when we looked in it, this city was founded about 261 or 253 before Christ by the king Antius, king of Syria, and he named the city in honor of his wife Laodice. And you know, as we saw through the the latest, there's a, they do a lot of things like that. You know, they they name cities mm. people that they really love in mm. in that sense. So it was very one of the most flourishing um, city in Asia Minor, and that was due to this prime location. And there was two key trade route cross. There was a road from Ephesus that was the most important one in Asia. We looked into this before, and there was also. Um, another road um, which was a central road that was looking through uh, the Lycus Valley as well where Ladoisia was l- uh, located in that sense. Now, the thing about the city um, really um, they say it's here and that's, that's and this is quoted the strategic position allowed Ladoisia to come to prominence when the Rome gained control of the era. It became a Roman military outpost and trade center after 100 before Christ and serve as a gathering point for shipment of taxes and other items of wealth gathered from Palestine and Syria. So this city was very, very, very wealthy. And it was also a great center of banking and finance. This is something that we got. It was one of the most wealthy cities in the ancient world. And an earthquake destroyed it in 60 AD, and they refused head from the Roman Empire and the city literally they rebuilt their own city. Th- that that's mean how much wealthy that city. Have, yeah. yeah, they had so much money that they didn't need the help of the Roman Empire to rebuild the, the city. Now they were also very famous for their clothing, for the clothing as well. Um they were um doing clothing out of a ship with with well like um they were saying which graze around you know, a ship was like a black wool they produced, and so they make making a lot of clothes from that as well. So those things. So they were they were they were uh, just wonderful, uh, a wonderful city. They also have, and you would like that. They also were well, well known for its medical center and school medicine in, in that sense. Um, and that's one thing. So they were a lot of the town, the doctors. There was um, famous doctor there. Um, and two of those doctors, um, called Zixus and Alexander Philetus, appear on Ladiosian coin. So they, they, there was one thing that. So basically, in a nutshell, the city was was prosperous, and it was a real, real, real heavenly state for agent. Um, you will see some of the most beautiful uh, houses, you know, in the in that city. It was a crazy city. However. They had one big problem in that city. And you would think, how is it possible such a rich, wealthy city had such a big problem, which is pretty much a very basic one. When the thinkers, they didn't have their own water supply. That was the big problem. They didn't have their own water supply. So the city, water was basically piped from two locations. And that's what it was. The location of Hierapolis, when they got the hot water, and the hot water was mixed with mineral, and then there was the area of Colossus when they got the cold water. 
this is how they were getting their water from those two cities now those two cities were about five to ten miles away from uh Ladeosia. so when you think about it the water has to be transported what they call via high pressure stone pipe from offspring and that is very the thing as you look at it here this is the pipe that they, those city were transported so they were going through the pipe at some time and during the hot season it, 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 it was very bad during time of peace it wasn't so much a problem but when there was an army inviting destroy and 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 when there was a hot season it would create a problem so what was happening is when the when the water finally reached Lydeosia from those two cities when the water was piped, this is what was happening. The water was neither hot or neither cold. It was lukewarm. And Jesus, with this backdrop, Jesus is choosing his world very wisely. And is now going into the church as the city was having this issue of water supply and, and being uh, lukewarm in that sense, then Jesus says them that even though they were rich, as you know, the city was very wealthy, he said they were poor. Which they were, they thought they were covered, but they were spiritually naked. Jesus used the lukewarm water to describe the character and the temperature of the city and of the church you know jesus said he wishes that this church was cold as ice and indifferent and stone or hot like fire you know and this is why the lukewarm is is such a thing that jesus is so object to it that he make you feel like to vomit now i don't know about you but when i think about it have you ever drink some lukewarm water yeah yeah i have how does it taste like the thing is yeah it's um it it's it doesn't taste the way that water should it should it should either be for me i i'd prefer hot water or cold water you know so it's just like i can see definitely where that comes from you know and that's what jesus the problem with the church the problem with the church jesus doesn't want a lukewarm church you're either hot or you are the cold. Mm. You are the hin or the other heart. You can't be in the middle. And the reason they were lukewarm in that sense, number one, is because they compromised. They had one foot in the world and they had one foot in the church. You know, you can't have both ways. Mm. And that is the problem with Jesus. You have to choose who you belong to. You have to choose who you want to serve. You either, you know, and it's quite interesting that Jesus speak about it. And then he mentions, you know, when we look in, in, in the book of Matthew chapter 5, when he said you cannot serve mammon and God, you either choose one or the other. Mm. And it's the same for you. You're in or you're out. You can't be in and out. You can't be, you know, your foot in the world, have your cake in the world, and have your thing in the, in the kingdom of God. You have to choose mm. it. And that was the problem of the church here. The second thing that Jesus wasn't happy, they were lukewarm because they were self-sufficient. He said, you say, I am rich. The church was complacent. Because they think they had it all together. They had the money. They had the power. They had the connection. They mm. had everything. So why did they need Jesus? Yeah, I have no need of him. Yeah. Mm. So they become lukewarm. 
And number three, they were self-deceived. They thought they were great. They were mm. prospering. You know, when you hear, God bless me, you know, this guy, God bless me, I got a car, I got a house, I got a wife, I got a job, God bless me. And you become so complacent, so self-deceived that you believe that this is it. That's the end of it. It's all self-absorbed, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, this is mm. the end of it. And the church in Laodicea were lukewarm. And they were the last day of the church. And it's a very interesting when we look in that church and try to compare the church of today. You know, you look at it. And it's incredible. The church of today, when you look at it, has become very popular, very political, very polished, and very practical. Mm. You look at a lot of the churches that you see, they are the type of churches. And they are lukewarm churches because of the aspect that they are displaying in that sense. Now, as we know, today when we look at the church, it's filled of celebrity pastors. That's what we call it, celebrities. Because they have now become celebrities. You know, they shepherd to lead lead the sheep. But they have now become celebrities. They have now because some of them have become self-indulgent. Some of them go self uh, what's the word you say? Self-proclaimed. Or self-absorbed. Self-absorbed. Interesting, isn't it? Mm. The church of today, I've grown. Mega churches. You know, we speak a lot of those mega churches. I've got nothing wrong at mega churches. As long as the word of God, it is preached the way it should mm. be. Undiluted. But we have found out the prosperity movement that has grown in mm. a lot of the congregation. We spoke about the message that has been portrayed in that sense, you know, about self, about blessings, about prosperity. And mm -hmm. that really kind of dilutes what God is trying to do. And when you become so polluted and when you become so self-absorbed about your life, about what you can get from God or what you mm -hmm. can attain, then you become lukewarm. Mm, looking, looking in rather than looking out. That's right, absolutely. Mm. What's your take on it? The thing is, it's just as I was saying, it's just like we continue to look in rather than looking out and reaching out. Um, it's uh, it's one of these things, you know. As we said, we if if the job is being done in the sense or holy spirit is there and you know in these churches you know there's a presence and you know we listen to to some of the music we listen to um you know and and i, I always say to them oh, but there's such an anointing on the worship you know and i just i don't believe that the spirit of god is not there um i do believe the spirit of god is there and i do believe he's, he's present in these places um but as we say, it's just like there are particular, there are other aspects. When we look at the letters, it's just like Jesus always speaks about the things that he sees that are, you know, in certain places, most of the letters. So he looks at the things that are good, you know, speaks about the things that are good. Um, and he encourages in those areas. But he also then, you know, that one of the, the last things he talks about other things that he's not happy with, you know. And I think that's the thing when you see the churches now it's just like all of us it's just like and that's what i was saying when i first prayed is about us really asking jesus where we're at you know individually you know um locally 
you know looking as a as a church and the body of christ where are we at you know and we can easily look at it and say oh this church does this or they don't do that or whatever but what, what about us you know um where are we at and i just think it's it's one of those things that we it's just we really need to ask the lord as he said you know be zealous you know and to repent and he always gives us an opportunity to repent well and that, that's the thing about those you know. slaters when we look at those slaters um is regardless of the state of the mm. churches mm. there's always an opportunity for repentance yeah. there's always an opportunity for change yeah. and as we do that then the lord is beginning to open many doors but i think that when we look at the church of Laodicea, you mentioned about this the anointing and this there listen you know, we know this clearly, the scripture we speak, yeah, the Lord, even, we yeah. cast out demon in your name, yeah. we prophesy in your yeah. name. And what Jesus said, depart yeah. from me, I never knew yeah. you. So when you look in those churches, one of the things about those lighting of sin churches is they truly believe, some of them, that they're doing the right thing. But obviously, some of them know they're not doing the right thing. Mm. You know, they know exactly what they're doing. The, the pastors know exactly what they're doing, how they're leading their sheep in that mm. sense. But because of the consumption of wealth the increase of wealth and it's not only the wealth that we're talking about it's the adulation of the power, power the recognition yeah. Yeah. those things are aspect of a character mm. that can turn a man mm, mission into yeah. a pride and yeah. making very different yeah. you know mm, the, all those pride. people yeah. started very well they all mm. started with very good intention mm. they all wanted to grow the kingdom of god and yeah. that's what they wanted and they still do they still you know do. you look at them and i think their hearts are still for that but it's just, you know, that, you know, one of the things we were praying this morning and the thing that I just I saw like people, I saw like a, a vision of people washing each other's feet and just, you know, what kept coming to me was this humility, this humility. And, you know, it's just, you know, the Bible speaks about, you know, you know, man looks at the outward, you know, but God looks at the the heart and God needs to be, you know. Um, the king of our hearts he needs to be the one who is in charge and when we come to things like this I think it's really easy um, as I say you know we're not here to to be judging but I look at it and I just think it's just you know really who is it? and what, what you were saying before is you know and at the beginning of explaining about the Laodicean church is like you know this is your church you know who's in control <laughs> you know who's in charge here and, you know, it's mirroring the way that the world does things, you know, and we are, are called to be different, you know, a, a, a peculiar people. Mm. We're called to be different, you know. The, the, there's two things I want to look into when we look into the Lukewarm church, you know, is when Jesus says, he says here, first we knows he knows he knows the work of that church because mm. he knows every work. But then he goes it to say here that, and I love to say, because you say and he didn't say because I said because you say so. This church said we are rich, we have become wealthy, mm. and I have need of nothing. And Jesus said, "But you are rich, miserable, poor, blinding, and naked." And that is the thing: blinding and naked. They actually believe many people. You know, this prosperity movement is people believe that it is it is God's way to bless them. So when they actually go through this prosperity movement. They, many of them believe that it's God's way to bless them. But what's taking place is there is a fine line between God's blessing and between you 
trying to acquire more blessing as a result of it or seeking after the blessing of God. You know, and I mentioned this scripture, Matthew 6, 33. You, we've got to seek after his kingdom and his righteousness. But what happened is the prosperity movement, they are seeking after the blessings. So when you look at this, the message that is portrayed now is message about prosperity. Mm, the gospel, the gospel has mm. been lost. Mm. And this is what Jesus wasn't happy about when he looked into the church. He said to them, you said you're rich, you're wealthy, and you're in need of nothing. Because when you look at those churches, they are mega churches. We operate on people offering and people tithe. We're not talking about 100, 200 people in a congregation. We're talking about thousands and ten thousand people, you know, offering and tithes. And more offering, more tithes, you tell them, you bring more offering, more tithes, we bring more blessings. But in order to do that, you've got to teach the congregation about blessings. So the message becomes diluted in that sense. The message is not about Christ repentance seeking first the kingdom of god and righteousness it's about blessing and they're using words you know god said be fruitful be multiply you know and you go on those words and you twist the words mm. and sell that to your congregation so they can begin to bring more offering more blessings and then you go in and before you know it you are dipped into the ways of the world you preach the gospel or you preach the word of God, but you're not preaching about what the Holy Spirit mm. wants you to preach on. You're preaching about what will make this church more wealthy, yeah. what will make, make this church more prosperous. And, and also that's, what will make the congregation happy. That's right. And that's what we're going to go to. Mm. So when we look into the church of Laodicea, there was a few movements that in that 21st, 20 and 20th century, 21st century, we're not going to go into detail. I would advise you guys just to do your own research into those movements as well. But we're going to talk to it very briefly. The first one I mentioned, we spoke about it last week, it's called the Seeker Friendly Church. Now, it's a very interesting. In the scriptures, in these verses, this is not a bag of trail mix. You can't just pick out the pieces you like and ignore the rest. And that's what they do with the Bible. They picked what they need to attract people into the church. So they're making this church more attractive to the secular world. Maybe because they're looking into the church and thinking people are not, there's not enough people coming to church. Our message is irrelevant. So let's make our message relevant to the non-believers. And by making this, they're bringing it. And that includes many ways to do it. You know, We talked about here the seeker-friendly church before. Uh, I don't want to go into more detail into this. But those are the type of movement that really bring to make the church friendly where it is not about salvation anymore mm, it's just attractive it's a very make this church attractive mm. always the nicest words and everything mm. just to attract more people into it there's also another movement called the emerging church movement now this this movement i'm still looking into it but i understand clearly that this movement emerged um as a reason of kind of modernize in a way the word of god and what's happening, the intention were very good at the beginning because some young bachelor, young teacher, young pastor rise up and discuss it. How can we make the Bible, how can we modernize the Bible in a way that people can understand it in that sense? 
But by doing this, what you begin to do, you begin mm. to dilute mm. the world. Mm. And that's what happened with this emerging church movement. As over time, it's beginning to dilute the word of God. And that brings what I mentioned before, false doctrines. Mm. You know, when a certain type of word is preached that bring not the right doctrine and not really biblical innocence. Mm. And that is very a movement that has very grown, especially among the younger generation. And this is why I think yesterday I really sensed it for us to pray for the current generation to be very rooted on the word and to continue to, to share this word to the next generation because this movement, as much attractive a different than the friendly seeking movement is, is the word that's beginning to be diluted, mm. you know. They're beginning to take things away from the word of God, yeah. which really changed the whole aspect of what God is saying. And that is very interesting. And we've got this last movement, or there's more movement, but one of the other movement, um, the mentions called Dominionism. And really, that this one is something that's growing a lot in the state at the moment. And this guy says, Senator Jeff Sessions says separation of church and state is unconstitutional. Well, basically what he's saying, they're saying that the church should be dominating the world. So they should be the one making the decision from a political perspective because of this spiritual awareness, which again, it is completely not what God is saying. We're supposed to be the light of the world, but they want to take over. Mm -hmm. They want to be the kings and the queens. They want to be the leaders of this world. They want to be the, the, the president and the ministers and, you know, on this world. But that's not what the world is saying. You can see how that could be easily twisted. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when God speaks to us, be of the light of this world, the salt and the light of this world, they're taking it to the extreme. They're taking it to the way that because of that, we can't separate the church from the put from politics we can't separate the church from the state we actually have to be the one we making the decision we have to be the one who rule we have to be the one so all of the church has to be basically where the politicians are so they can change all the laws accordingly so they can make the right decision because we have this holy spirit in us we have the spiritual awareness of it and that again it is something that's rising a lot among us which Doctrine is not right as well. And Jesus really painted this picture of the Apostle Church, which coming into the state of be wealthy, coming into the state of be rich, coming into the state of doing the things that they think they should do because they don't have the Holy Spirit at the door. They don't have Jesus at the door. So they're making their own rules. They're making their own decision and they're making their own doctrine in that sense. And that is the last church. So it is not only about the prosperity movement. It is not only about the friendly seeker movement. It is about what's diluted the word of God in essence. What making just deep into the world and mm. deep into the church and put it together mm. in essence. So you neither on one side or the other, you're in the middle. So you take aspects of the Bible and you take aspects of the world, you put it together and you make your own rule. <laughs> and because Jesus is not there, and that's what happened. And what Jesus said, um, which is very interesting in the scripture here, if I can um, find it very quickly, the, the scripture, see if we can go back to the, to the scripture. Um, he says here, Jesus said 
to deny himself and to take up your cross and follow him. You see, the church was self-focused, as you mentioned it. They teach what we need to have and what we need not to get, what we need to get for to get the blessings. It means that if you don't have these, if you don't have those blessings, you mean you're inside. And that's what it was. And Jesus said that he will come and judge the church first before judging the world. And that's exactly what we are seeing, experiencing now. We're now experiencing Jesus is beginning to expose things that's taking place in the church to the world. He's beginning to judge, he's beginning to purge the world. As a matter of fact, you found out that a lot of people that were practicing those doctrine or that were practicing those movements, a lot of them are going back to the heart of Christ. Mm, yeah. A lot of them are yeah. going back to the heart of Christ. Mm. You know, they're going back to the place when they started mm. because God has beginning to speak yeah. to their heart. Yeah. They repented mm. or how they led the people mm. and they are now going back. And you find out that some of the people that we were calling celebrity pastors, they're not they're anymore. Not anymore. No. They're actually going back to mm. what the word of God is truly mm. saying because there's a shift of mm. paradigm. But on the other side of it, there's other that embrace this movement even greatly than the be- those yeah, who started so at the beginning. Yeah. And that's the prime. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, he would come and judge first before judging the world. In verse 18, you look here, what does he say? I counsel you to buy from me gold mm. refined in a fire mm. that you may be rich and white garment and you may be clothed that the, that the shame of your neckness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eyes self that you may see. Mm. And Jesus refer also, remember when he uses his, 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 um, his own spit to basically yeah, yeah. open the eyes of yeah. one person, you know, and the cloth and so on. So he gives them a cure in that sense. He speak to exchange the spiritual poverty for a life by Jesus Christ. They need to get back. They need to become dependent on Jesus. Mm. And that's the key that Jesus said. And he also said to exchange their nakedness for white garment, which speak, as I mentioned in the beginning, yeah. the righteousness of God. Yeah. You know, seek ye first the kingdom and in righteousness. And, and that's what we need to really mm. look into. So they will not become blind spiritually. And in verse 19, and he said, I love what he says this. It says this, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Mm. Jesus, despite the fact that Jesus has nothing right to say about this church, he still tells them, I, I chasten you because I love I you. Love and sometimes mm. we're going through chastening ourselves. Mm. Sometimes God chastens us, mm. not because he hates us, but because he loves he us. Loves us. Mm. He wants the best for mm. us. He has great plan for us. Yeah. And despite this, that church that was falling away, God was still number one, giving them solution, and number two, he reaffirmed his love for them. So wonderful. Mm. And he asked them to repent. And what does he do in verse 21? He said that he invited this church, the Lydios in church, to repent. And he said that he's standing at the door. And he said as well that he will come and dine with him. And that speak of him wanting to have a relationship. Mm. You know, in those days, when you were dining with somebody, you were inciting mm. having a friendship, a relationship mm. with that person. Mm. So what Jesus is saying there, 
he want to invite that church to have a deep relationship yeah. with them to go back to that place mm, again. communication all absolutely. these different things yeah. absolutely mm. and then he goes on to say and that's interesting verse 21 he said to him who overcome i would grant to sit with me on my throne and i also overcome and sat down with my father on his throne that is very important not only in inviting the church to repent not only standing on the door and waiting for the door to be on him he also said that when he will eat with them he would speak he would create that intimacy with them and the thing is the way they were eating back in those days and i've got to mention this because today when we invite people on christmas and new years of we're having lovely plate and fork and knife and sin no there was one bowl here and they mm. were dipping mm. in their hands mm. in the food so mm. forget covid 19 and so on people <laughs> were just dipping together mm. and that would speak of intimacy in that mm. sense and what jesus referring to the church is saying to the church i would come and dine with you mm. you know we would share food mm. with our hands mm. you know full of macro or something we share that <laughs> food because this mm. is how much i value you as well and jesus was really calling the church this church the last church to have relationship again mm, with intimacy. him Timothy with him this is just wonderful um as we now conclude um on this topic um on the church of seven church of, of revelation i hope that we can take notes and advice on what jesus is saying to the seven churches and possibly look to trying to apply to um on local churches as well there's an inscription that i find out um which i didn't put it on the slide here my apologies uh it's a poem that was found in the cathedral in lubeck which is in germany and and um and this is what that, that this is what this inscription says this is a very interesting it says this you call me master and obey me not you call me light and see me not you call me way and walk not you call me life and desire me not you call me wise and follow me not you call me fair and love me not you call me rich and ask me not you call me eternal and seek me not you call me gracious and trust me not you call me noble and serve me not you call me mighty and honor me not you call me just and fear me not if i condemn you blame me not that is really what god says you know we've got to go back into that place that place of worship that place of seeking his mm, face reverence. that place of loving him mm. that place of reverence that yes. place of the fear of mm. the lord that place of seeking his kingdom mm. first and his righteousness yes. and that place of obedience yes, complete obedience and wait for what the lord is saying yes. to us in this season so as we conclude now on this topic I want to thank the Lord for really giving us insight into mm. the seven letters to the churches. Yes. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, as we conclude on this series on the seven letters to the seven churches. Yes. As we looked into every aspect of those churches, the thing that you were doing right, the thing that you were seeing the church were doing right, the mm. thing that you were seeing the church was doing wrong, how to fix things that were doing wrong and yes, how to Lord. repent, how to stay focused. You would say clearly, let him hear 
what the spirit of the lord is saying to those churches yes, lord i pray that we heard what yes, you said to lord. those churches i pray that our here we're inclined to hear what mm. you were saying and father as we continue to move forward to know you more to follow you in your footstep i pray lord for each one of us lord yes. for those who are listening for those who be listening tomorrow on the days and days after father mm. the lord indeed that they will continue to seek your face father mm. to seek your will before yes, their own lord. will lord i pray that i will seek your will yes. before my own yes, will yes, i pray lord. father that you help me in this situation mm. i pray that you help each one of us father yes. to begin to communicate with you to begin yes, to hear what you say lord. lord we don't want to leave you at the door we want you mm. inside father mm. we want you inside we want you to dine with him mm. we want you to dine with us father yes, we want you to have this wonderful relationship with your father mm. and lord we continue to pray lord to continue to guide us where you want us to go in the name yes. of jesus thank you jesus. Amen. amen 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 thank you john mark thank you wow mm. Okay. Well, everyone, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Uh, I enjoyed the series. Yeah, um, great. It was very, um, very opening for us. Yeah. We learned a lot. Yeah. But uh, we're going to start a new series now that we call The Big Players. Um, this is going to take us probably, I don't know, for quite a few months. But we're going to be looking at some of the questions that people have been asking us. Some of the uh, organization. Um, that are big players in this world. We're going to be looking at the Club the Roms. We're going to be looking at Facebook. We're going to be looking at technology, DARPA, Google. Um, we're going to go extensive studies on it. So, guys, again, if you want to go back into the seven letters to the book of Revelation, just go on our website, www.revelationhour.co.uk. We've got all the seven letters and other topics there. And then we see you again next week, same place same times. Ciao, guys. Bye-bye.